0: Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is graciously gifted by Pastor Sean Wood. Let's pray and then we'll come around God's Word. Father, we thank you for your great love for us this morning. We celebrate you this morning as we meet together. And Lord, your Word says that as the rain and the snow fall and accomplish, as it soaks in and accomplishes that for which you send it, so is your Word, Lord. I pray, Lord, today that your word as it goes forth would soak into our hearts, never returning void, Lord, but achieving that for which you've sent it in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Through this week, um, for those that are interested, I was driving around in my car and I kind of got low on fuel, so I thought, you know what, I'll go out of my way and I'll... I'll go and put some fuel in the fuel tank and I went to my favourite fuel station and I selected the fuel that I wanted. I filled up my tank, I I went inside to the people that I know reasonably well because it's a service station I attend quite often and I paid my dues while I was there and I drove out and as I was going I said to the person, hope to see you again soon which probably is interpreted when I feel empty again or when my tank is low I'll come back. And all of you are sitting there going, that's very nice, Pastor, but what on earth has that got to do with the message? Well, unfortunately, I have possibly described for some people their experience of church. For many of us, church has become, I'm feeling a little bit empty, you've got to pump me up, fill me up, and send me back out. And when I get empty again, which could be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, I'll float on back through... And you can fill my tank up again and I'll pay my dues at the counter and life will go on like that. So we move in today's passages, Paul last week says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And when, when our minds are renewed, we view things enormously differently. And first thing we do is we view God differently. But today, Paul wants to highlight that the way that we think, and he uses the word think, Uh, quite a lot, which for males, it hurts, right? But he uses the word think. But when Paul uses the word think, he's not talking about the processes and the avenues of thought. He's speaking about direction. He's speaking about how we view things. And today, Paul wants to challenge us and say, you know what? The gospel, the truth of the message of Christ, changes how we view ourselves. It changes how we view everybody else around us. The body, church, wherever Paul uses the metaphor of a body, he's speaking about the collection of God's people, the community, the Christian community and also how we view giftings, which is interesting how Paul does this and I think this is an important message for each and every one of us this morning. If you've got your Bibles uh, and you'd like to meet me in Romans 12 verse 3, Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself slash herself. I'll just put that one in there. Uh, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We're going to begin, Paul's going to begin with, you know what? When you have a transformed life, when the gospel transforms how you view everybody and everything, you're going to view yourself differently you're going to look at yourself differently. This was a very challenging message in the first century because they were accustomed, if you were a Pharisee in the first century, if you were one of the council, you were accustomed to holding a high position above everybody else. If you were a leader of the local synagogue, uh, you wore the finest robes, you taught from the law, you, you claimed to have knowledge that nobody else did and when you walked through the marketplace, everybody went out of their way to say hello. Kind of like when Terry's going to the supermarket. (laughs) And it's really only because they want to get closer to Lynn. But (laughs) (laughs) keep sitting in the front, I need, yeah, thank you. Paul says, uh, the Gospel changes first of all, how we view ourselves. And it does this in an amazing way. We're going to have a look at what Paul uses to describe this, he says, but to think with sober judgment. And the best way to understand a sober judgment is uh, somebody who's actually in touch with reality. We we can view ourselves uh, in our right minds through through a lens that looks at ourselves in reality, but he goes on and says something, with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has a sign. And many people think, many people have mistakenly interpreted that to mean God gives some people different measures of faith than others. That's not what Paul meant. What Paul is speaking about here when he says that we should measure ourselves by a unified standard, he is saying there's one standard by which we can compare ourselves. It's the gospel. And you can't think of yourself more highly than you should when you view yourself through the lens of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel places every single person on a level playing field. What? We're all sinners in need of a saviour. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor, it doesn't matter whether you're a Pharisee, it doesn't matter what clothes you wear, what colour your skin is, it doesn't matter whether you're from the north of America or south of America, it doesn't matter what political party you vote for, you need Jesus. Paul says, when you look at yourself through the Gospel, actually on two fronts, it, it stops us having a higher opinion of ourselves but it also stops you from having a too low estimate of yourself which is very important. And people think, well no, we're Christians, we should be humble and so humility looks like we go around and beat ourselves over the head all the time but that is not scriptural humility. Scriptural humility is not running around making less of yourself, it's simply running around making more of God. Paul says, uh, if I will boast, he says, I will boast in Christ. Which is a big change for Paul. And I can remember when I was in the radiator shop, Ken, wherever you are, this will bring back some flashbacks, but uh, I can remember when I was in the radiator shop, we used to repair big earth-moving radiators, and we had three uh, different kinds of bolts that we would use. We would use metric bolts, we would use uh, uh, imperial bolts, or we would use the rogue ones, they're kind of the really out there Pentecostal bolts called Whitworth bolts. Remember those ones, Ken? The, The Whitworth bolts. Nobody... Uh, Nobody really used Whitworth. Uh, John, you'll know what I'm talking about. You should understand what I'm talking about here. And We did a job for one guy uh, and he was a bush mechanic and he looked more like Santa Claus. Remember Governor Gill? He looked more like Santa Claus than any man I've ever met. I mean, he didn't have to dress up. (laughs) You know, this guy just, all all he needed was a couple of deer and a sleigh. But I, uh, but I can remember him walking up the laneway. We had his radiator rebuilt. We put all new bolts in it. And he got halfway up the laneway and said, who put those three bolts in the end of that? And there were three different bolts, three metric bolts, when they should have all been Whitworth. He said, you, he said you've you used a different standard. I don't, I don't use that standard of bolt. He says, when I walk into the bush, I don't want to have to take a toolbox. I want to take two spanners because I know what size every bolt is. And if I asked everybody to step outside now and measure the driveway and one person measured it in inches, another person measured it in centimetres, another person measured it in feet, we're going to get enormous different answers. And this is the problem. So many people are measuring themselves by many different standards. Paul says, forget all of those. If you want a reality, a sober assessment of yourself, look at yourself through the lens of the gospel. You need Jesus as much as the person sitting next to you this morning, by the way. But here's the other thing, um, and uh, myself and my wife didn't confer this morning. Um, we are married, but for those that need to know, we don't talk. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> But um, what we get, the message of the Gospel is this, every other religion... Paints a picture of man striving after God, but only in Christianity and only in Christianity. We get the flip side of that where God is prioritizing and pursuing man. The message of the gospel is this. You are so valuable, not because of the color of your skin, not because of who your mum and dad is, not because of how much money you have, not because of any of those things. You're valuable because God put you together in the womb. Whatever that looks like. Whatever weakness you carry, whatever burdens you carry, whatever you've done wrong doesn't really matter because that can all be taken away in Christ. But at the end of the day, what matters is Jesus loved you so much he stepped down into your world. A bit more about that when we finish this morning on a very, very popular parable. Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself, but should have been herself, more highly than he ought to think she ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, each according to the standard that God has handed out and has assigned. Verse 4, for as in one body, now we're going to begin to talk about how it is that we should view everybody else. I love the language that Paul's going to use here. He says, for, verse 4, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Uh, This is going to be a bit of a shock this morning. Not everybody was called to lead worship, and if you've ever heard me sing, you'll you will praise God (laughs) that some people are not called to worship. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another. It changes how we view each other. Let me kind of help you how the Gospel changes everything. Uh, Paul uses the body metaphor uh, all throughout his writings. He uses it in 1 Corinthians, we know that. He uses it in Ephesians, he uses it in Colossians and he uses it here in Romans and every time he does, he's describing the Christian community, the body of Christ, the believers, the church and when every time he uses a body metaphor imagine for a moment you've got all the components that make up a body uh, imagine for a moment you've got a hand, you've got a foot, a knee uh, if you're getting old they're getting a little bit creaky right but imagine you've still got all of those parts, you've got everything you need for the human body but you don't have the heart and there's no blood pumping and every other part is useless and what Paul is trying to highlight is how we should be viewing each other according to the lens of the Gospel is you need the person sitting next to you just as much as they need you. And the person next to you needs you functioning, this is why we need to get to gifts in a moment, needs you functioning to the highest capacity that you can because their vitality depends on your vitality. And more about that when we finish. But I remember, for those that know, I, when I was in Tasmania, I played real football and real football for those that are wondering uh, in the Greek it means we actually kick the ball we don't throw it so uh, for those that are wondering and uh, I can remember a team we had uh, the first team I played for uh, were on the bottom of the ladder year after year after year but one year they made it to the quarterfinals and one man that was instrumental in allowing us to be able to get to the quarterfinals was a guy by the name of Brad Bracken. Brad Bracken was the best tap ruckman I've ever seen Uh, He could leap like a gazelle He came off the farms, this guy He could leap like a gazelle He was like an infantry soldier He's like Forrest Gump If you told him to do something, he just did it He didn't ask you why, he just did it Uh, And you could be running past Brad while he's in the air Call out his name and he'll hit you on the chest with a ball I can't remember seeing him lose the tap. On the boundary line, he was that strong from coming off the farms that he could wrestle and and beat everybody. But Brad had a few problems. Uh, Brad couldn't kick a football. He couldn't handball. Uh, Every kick was a worm burner, uh, in Rex Hunt's language. Uh, And he could look you in the eye and go like that to handball the ball and it would go that way. (laughs) Or it would go that way. And he was what we used to call a 50 percenter. If you kicked it to Brad, you had about half a chance he might mark it. (laughs) So we have a football player that can't kick, he can't mark and he can't handle, but man, he could tap. And we would not have got to the quarterfinals without Brad Verbracken. And he taught me a very valuable lesson. Not all of our parts are the same and not all of us are gifted the same way but we can't do without you. Everybody matters. We needed Brad. (laughs) Uh, And if you're wondering, on God's great football field, there's no bench. Just in case you're wondering, God puts all the players on the field. A bit more about that later. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ. When you view people sitting next to you through the lens of the Gospel, it changes how you treat people. It changes how leadership should treat people in church. More about that a little bit later. But What I love about the analogy of the body is the word I like to use is diversity. Because now what Paul is trying to highlight here is we're all members of the one body, but we all do different things and we all look different and our composition is different and our flavour is different. That means that the person next to you, this is going to shock some people, the person sitting next to you does not have to think like you do. The person sitting next to you doesn't have to do everything the way you do. I'm not saying there's, a, there's no wrong way of doing stuff. There are right ways and there are uh, correct ways we should do some things. But it's, the difference in the diversity adds flavour, I think. It adds flavour to God's body. It adds uh, everybody doing their part differently. is how God has designed it. Moving on, Paul is now in verse 6. He comes down and says, he's going to kind of change the way we view giftings. And quite often, uh, the Gospel challenges this mindset, I have found. If the mindset of coming to church or coming to life group or whatever it is, if your mindset is, um, everything has to flow perfectly, everything has to be in the right order, everything has to be this, because I'm here to be blessed. Let me introduce you to the Gospel. Because what the Gospel does, Paul says, is it changes how we view giftings and it's not about you being blessed, it's about how can I be a blessing, God? When I come here on Sunday, how can I bless somebody? How can I encourage somebody? Who can I give a hug? We're huggers in this church and some people's spiritual gift is hugging, right? Right? But the gospel changes how we view giftings and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And it also changes how we prioritize what we're doing here on a Sunday. Our priority is not, you've got to fill my tank up. Worship's got to be perfect. The word's got to be just right. Everything's got to be just right. Otherwise, I'll fill my tank up somewhere else. I don't know. But how the gospel changes is, Lord, how can I be a blessing? The Gospel changes every area of our lives. You know, Paul, I mentioned this last week, Paul in Galatians says, I opposed Peter to his face. Why did he oppose Peter to his face? Because Peter would act one way around the Gentiles. But then when the Jews were there, he would act differently. And Paul didn't come to Peter and say, you're being a hypocrite, although he could have done Uh, Paul didn't come to Peter and say, you know, there's some uh, racial stuff here you need to deal with and he could have done. No, no, no. What he does instead is he comes to Peter and says, your behaviour is outside the line of the Gospel. How you view other people and how you are treating them is outside the line of the Gospel. So how should we view giftings? Well, the body teaches us that each and every one of us actually has a gift. Uh, Church is not supposed to be, let's turn up on Sunday and watch half a dozen people exercise their gifts. Uh, Church is supposed to be about a body of believers that are gifted many different ways and we're building each other up consistently. I feel the Lord saying that someone's gifted to set up chairs and And pack up? Well, maybe. We'll we'll get to those later. But let's have a look at what Paul says. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. It's God's grace that He chooses to work through us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in His teaching, the one who exhorts in His exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity... And the one who leads with zeal and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If you're sitting here this morning and saying, I understand that the gospel means we view everybody, okay, we're all a body, but what part do I play? How do I find that out? Well, volumes have been written about discovering our spiritual gifts and I want to give you a bit of a hand if I can this morning. I want to highlight three possible ways. I have found personally that if you want the Holy Spirit to grow something in your life, put some seed in there. So, number one, if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, how do I begin to discover my place in the body of Christ? Step number one is examine every part of the New Testament that you can that speaks about spiritual gifts and the operation of the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts. Then when you're finished, go back and read the book of Acts. Uh, Go to the list of the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Have a look at how Paul describes everybody in Ephesians working together and, and maintaining the unity in the bond of Peace. Well, that's a very powerful verse. Uh, have a look at the list, but put it in there so that the Holy Spirit's got something to begin to germinate. It's, it's like laying a foundation and then the Holy Spirit says, now I can begin to put the house together. Step one is examine. Get into the Scripture. Step two is self-examination. I really like I, I, I took a bit of free license and wrote this. So I really like this one. But uh, some of the ways to find out your giftings uh, is to do a little bit of self-examination. Ask yourself some questions that sound like this: What do I enjoy doing? Interesting. Ask yourself what kind of ministry is satisfying and attractive to me. And here's one: I, I, I kind of. I love this one. Pastor Liz, we're going to love this one. What problems do I most notice? I have found, uh, it's, this is how the Gospel flips everything. Uh, from now on, uh, we have a pastoral mandate that says, if you come to us with a problem, what it is, is God's actually highlighting something that you can, with your giftings, fix. Uh, Pastor, I was just kind of noticing. I have noticed, this is, I'm actually not joking about this, I've actually found that what you're most burdened about is where God is steering you. Sounds a little bit like this, sounds a little bit like, Pastor, you know, I'm just kind of concerned about uh, the kids' ministry and how we're sowing into our children. Well, why don't you get involved? Begin to ask yourself, where am I most burdened? Uh, I can answer that question for myself very, very easily. Uh, I can identify with the words that Jeremiah penned, uh, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. Um, I am passionate about how people treat the word of God, passionate about how people, uh, both in their individual life and at a corporate level. And so, what you are most burdened about and the problems that you notice is usually because God's given you a lens to look that way. You see, I don't notice any problems with music because I'm not musically inclined. But some people will sit and say, you know what, here's how we could improve, here's how we could add to, build up. So do some examination, do some self-examination. I now I want to talk about the most important part when it comes to giftings. And football, forgive me for taking some free license when it comes to football, but Paul actually gives us the most important one here, and I want to encourage everybody in this room to grab this one as the number one priority moving forward when it comes to giftings. Let us use them. Uh, I remember the first football team I was playing with, I, I was always in the ruck, and then I moved uh, to another team, and uh, they said, when can you play? And I said, I'll start this Saturday. It wasn't a wise move, because first game was... A, against our old team. However, uh, the first questions they began to ask themselves is, I wonder where you fit on the team? And we can fall into the trap of pigeonholing. And so, of course, uh, a guy walks in, he's reasonably tall, reasonably well built, you should be in the ruck. I didn't really want to be in the ruck. And I said, you know what, how about on Saturday, We find out where I belong. And on Saturday, I played at fullback. I played at centre-half-back. They put me on the wing for a little while. They chucked me in the ruck and said, no, we've got somebody better for the ruck. And they did. And they said, you know what, go to full forward. And that didn't really suit me either. And then it got to almost the last quarter and they said, just have a run in the centre-half forward. So I had a run in the centre-half forward, kicked three goals and won the game. They said, friend, you've found your place. (laughs) And I want to encourage everybody here, because quite often the mentality can be, we sit back and say, well, you know, okay, God, I'm ready, so you just need to lay everything out in front of me, and when I know exactly where you want me, then I'll get up and start operating in my giftings. That sounds like this. That sounds, if I carry that over into the football metaphor, it would have been, you know what, how about I turn up on Saturday and watch three or four games, and I'll just sit on the sidelines, and I'll let you know where I fit. It doesn't work like that. Coach says, no, 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 no. He says, put a Guernsey on, son. And when the full forward kicks 10 goals on you in the first quarter, he says, maybe fullback's not for you. And so what I would encourage here is on God's football field, just get off the bench. Just put the guernsey on and say, I'm going to start running around. Get involved in the kids' ministry. No, you know what? Okay, uh, I thought this might have been an area. This isn't for me. Uh, if you're musically inclined, uh, come and speak to the worship leaders and say, you know what? I wouldn't mind coming to practices and just seeing if I fit anywhere. And Maybe it's within the youth. Maybe it's serving in some area. Don't forget that Paul says there are gifts of administration. Uh, board members, you are not holding a logistical position. It is a spiritual gifting overlooking God's house. Avoid the pigeonholing and get on the field. Now, Paul sent some very encouraging words to an aspiring young pastor by the name of Timothy. If you read Timothy's history, he was very young when Paul found him and he was converted. Immediately, Paul sees the potential and fathers and mentors him. Then shoves him in a very influential church, but a very problematic church called Ephesus. In fact, from Ephesus, many churches are planted. And Ephesus is rocking on until Timothy's no longer there and the Apostle John is no longer there. Apostle John ministers there in the late time. But he says to Timothy, and for those that can remember these words, he writes to Timothy and he says, Fan into flame the gift of God that was entrusted, there's a really big word, that was entrusted to you at the laying on of my hand. And so what I would say to everybody here is, we need you. So fan into flame the gift of God. How do I do that? Start using it. Start cultivating it. When I found that center half forward kind of suited me, what did I do? I trained in kicking goals and, and how to uh, all that sort of stuff. I would say, fan into the flame the gift of God that He has placed inside of you. As I bring this to a close this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to prepare themselves to come back. I want to finish with a parable that, for me, highlights what church should look like. It's a parable I feel sometimes, maybe we miss what Jesus is really trying to teach us here the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, the challenge with parables is this, Jesus uses metaphorical and kind of analogies to try and draw out very deep truth. It's, I'm going to use something that's familiar to you to teach you something deep and profound. And interpretations for parables, uh, either Jesus gives them to us, or they are found in the conversations that surround the parables. And that's what happens in this case. Uh, The Good Samaritan begins with, and behold, in Luke chapter 10, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to him to test him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? Great question, by the way. What is written in the law? How do you read it? Not a bad answer either. He goes on and says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And he said, verse 28, and he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But of course, in typical lawyer fashion, he's not satisfied with that. He goes on and says, but he desiring to justify himself, (laughs) said to Jesus, and who is my neighbour? I can almost hear Jesus saying, I'm glad you asked and who is my neighbour? And Jesus replied, we're going to move our way through this parable very quickly, but uh, when Jesus gives parables, the characters in the parable always line up to somebody that we can identify. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho was fraught with danger. And what happened was he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Life has done that to some people. Verse 31. Now by chance, it's the only place in the New Testament you'll find that word. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Okay. So likewise, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, verse 33, but a Samaritan. And what is the emphasis here with the Samaritan? The emphasis is that a Samaritan is the least expected that would go out of their way to help this man, because there was an enormous rift between Samaritans and Jews. And hold the thought for a moment, before you think the Samaritan applies directly to us, Hold the thought about the Samaritan for a moment. It says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sets him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Verse 35. And the next day, he took out two denarii, resources, and gave them to the innkeeper. Saying, take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? Wait for it now. He said, to the one who showed him mercy, Jesus said, go and do likewise. Jesus didn't say to the man, you are the Samaritan. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus highlighted what mercy looked like and said, go and do Likewise. And if I can, for a moment, pull this parable apart and have a look at who the characters might be. Could not God be the Good Samaritan? Could not Jesus, for a moment, could not Jesus be the Good Samaritan, who comes to those who have fell among the robbers of this life? They're beaten up, they're downtrodden, and could it not be Jesus that approaches us and and covers our nakedness and binds up our wounds and, and, and puts wine and oil, representative of the Holy Spirit and His blood? And then what does Jesus do with the man? He finds this man, He binds up his wounds, He puts him, and where does He take him? He takes him to a, here's something that's really important, takes him to a safe place. Takes him to an inn. And if this is not the language of Jesus, takes out two denarii and says, here's, I'm going to deposit this. Take care of this man. And when I return anything you have spent, I will repay you. Friends, this morning, this is supposed to be a safe place. This is supposed to be a place where Jesus can dress, heal people's wounds, pick up the broken and bring them in. We are not the physician. He is the great physician. He's the only one that can bind up our wounds, but he has charged us to take care of them. The sad truth is that across the landscape of church, this has sometimes been an unsafe place. I pray that we begin to view church through the lens of the gospel and that Jesus would rightly bring in the broken. We see broken kids here every Friday night. We see broken people here every Sunday. Once upon a time, I was enormously broken. I bet you were too. And this is a place where you should get well. This is a place where we should take care of you. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning. I pray that this would be a safe place. I pray that every person here would step into their giftings and Lord, that we would take care of the broken because this isn't about us. This is about the extension of your kingdom. This is about taking care of those that, Lord, you entrust us with. Lord, forgive us for the moments we've got it wrong. Forgive us for the moments that we've been far too selfish and far too full of pride. (coughs) Thank you, Jesus, for making us whole when we were broken. And I pray, Lord, that that would happen in this place. Lord, I pray for those that are gifted to step into their giftings. I pray, Lord, that the gospel would continue to transform how we view ourselves, how we view everybody around us, how we view you, the awesome and glorious God, and how we view church. In your wonderful name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast.